0: Hey everybody, I'm Rachel Bonetta. And I'm Retchna Frukbaum. And this is Hall of Shame. Hi Rachel. Hey girl, hey, I'm sitting in a house with no air conditioning and my boobs are sweating. Oh, you know what?
1: I love that you're already singing because I was going <laughs> to ask you today Oh. about the Canadian national anthem.
0: I stand. What is it?
1: And do you want to sing a little for us?
0: Um, I will sing a little. I, I've i heard that it is one of the better national anthems. Oh. I, of course, am a little biased here. Sure. But it goes something like, Oh, Canada, our home and native land. Something, mm, something, something. Very familiar. Something. I'm
1: remembering.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Well, You're welcome. I ask because i think just like here in the states canada tends to play its national anthem before sporting
0: events okay but can i can i ask you a quick question yeah we also played it like in the morning at school sure. like we played it a ton Did do, do, does america do that as well they do okay but specific okay. to our
1: podcast i've been thinking a lot about the tradition of playing the anthem before sporting events, for I obvious reasons. I think a lot reasons. of people have lately. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, today, want to talk about it a little. I going to talk mm-hmm. about the history. And then cap it off by doing our very first Hall of Shame Top 5, which will be the Top Ooh. 5 Most Memorable Performances of the Star Spangled Banner at a sport
0: I night. am so excited a couple already come to mind okay. some good some very bad let's see bad. if I get them okay <laughs> this is great I love doing a top five we've been talking about doing this for for a while and in, in a bunch of different ways this is great
1: But before we get to our top five, let's talk about the Star Spangled Banner as it's connected to sports in this country a little. So obviously, in recent times, it's been a huge part of our national consciousness and conversation around sports with more and more athletes kneeling in peaceful protest against police brutality and the oppression of people of color. Colin Kaepernick started it even at the MLB games. They're kneeling. It's starting to become much more widespread. We love to see it.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. Honestly, and in the NWSL games, they're all kneeling and MLS games are all kneeling. I'm sure once basketball is like full fledged back. Sure. And maybe by the time you hear this, it is. I'm sure that's going to be a big show as well.
1: Exactly. So, you know, I think we've all thought about and discussed a lot about why that's important, and how it's a cool way to use a big platform to bring attention to important social
0: issues. And I know we both really applaud it. And I love that it's all happening in Florida. (laughs) Yeah. Can I just say, besides MLB, it's amazing. It's awesome.
1: But in thinking and talking about it and it being on my mind, it made me just think about the (laughs) anthem in general. Like, Mm -hmm. where does it come from? So I know we're a sports podcast, but I'm going to take you on a little tour of history.
0: <laughs> Ooh, a little history yes. lesson. I will admit, it's so weird growing up in Canada and then moving to the States, and people automatically think you know everything Right? Is. I know shit all about American history.
1: Of course, because you learned Canadian history. I actually
0: don't know a lot about Canadian <laughs> history. Either.
1: So you just, admit, history is not your topic. History
0: was not my topic. I didn't like my teacher, so... <laughs>
1: Well, so now you're going to know a little more. The Star-Spangled Banner is a war song. The lyrics come from a poem written in 1814 by a 35-year-old lawyer named Francis Scott Key. A lawyer and a poet, Renaissance man. He wrote the poem while watching Fort McHenry being bombed from Baltimore Harbor by the British in the War of 1812. Later, that poem was set to the tune of a popular British song and renamed The Star-Spangled Banner. During World War One, it wasn't the anthem yet, but the song was seen as an important acknowledgement to the war, which makes mm-hmm. sense because it's mm-hmm. about a war. Yeah, and they would play it on baseball's opening day as a tribute, so like once a year. So that is sort of where it started here.
0: Then, and, and it feels like it belongs there. Like sure, I feel like in that moment, that in time. song, you're in what Yeah, in the middle of a you get war. it. We yes. get it. Yeah.
1: Then during the 1918 World Series. World War One is still happening, Americans are weary, the Cubs are playing shitty against Babe Ruth and the Red Sox, and during the seventh inning stretch, the band plays the Star Spangled Banner, and the players and fans seem to like really perk up, and the media really caught this moment, and it was widely reported on and captured. It's sort of like this symbolic and meaningful moment
0: hmm It's nothing like playing a, t- a shitty baseball game and being reminded that, like, oh, there's there's people yeah. war right now. We should probably Let's represent honor them. for our country. <laughs> yeah.
1: But interestingly, it wasn't until 1931 that the Star-Spangled Banner actually was officially named the National Anthem. And it wasn't until World War II that people began to expect the anthem to play before every game. And tradition kind of grew from there. So, like, look, tradition is great. Like we said, Makes sense. During the World War, Mm -hmm. that it became the symbolic and meaningful song. Mm -hmm. And that tradition is good. And then maybe it should be reconsidered. Because (laughs) progress is happening and times are changing. (laughs) And tradition should reflect growth and change. Mm -hmm. So that all got me thinking, why today do we play the national anthem before games? Like, it doesn't feel as relevant. I know... Look, we're, like, always at war, but it's, like, a very different time. Like, the Olympics, I get it. You're playing for your country. I get right. playing it. But the Lakers are playing the Celtics. That's just two American teams. Like, why not instead play jot jams and psych everyone up?
0: <laughs> I am extremely you know I mean? here for this. Yeah. We need to log on to change.org and start a petition. <laughs> I will just be the first one to different. sign. Love it. <laughs> And
1: it's not, you know, it's like to me. I was like, okay, I get it. Like, there's a tradition in Boston where they play Sweet Caroline during the seventh inning stretch, and and that makes sense. And it's like fun, and it's Those like are very spirited. Fun. Mm-hmm. Um, or like take me out to the ball game. Literally, is about baseball. I get it. But the thing about the national anthem, particularly today, but I think kind of always is, I don't know that it's ever fully resonated with Black Americans or Indigenous people or other people of color. There's a New Yorker article where reporter Cinque Henderson writes, as for the Star Spangled Banner, the machinery of state violence that has too often been used against Black people for a song about bombs and rockets to hold much appeal. So like, now that we have all the context we have, it's feeling less and less like, That's the thing we need to be playing right now. Maybe
0: I mean, there's tons of times where I listen to music and I'm not even paying attention to the lyrics, and I feel like if there is a point in time that we are paying more attention, it's right now. And like, I I need, like, I'm about to go look up "Oh Canada" lyrics because there (laughs) might be some shady shit in there as well. I've just been singing it for so long that it's like you're numb to what you're saying. You know what I mean? It's it's like you're a robot. I totally agree. And and listen, I'm I'm thinking about it. I
1: just like I was listening to the lyrics, the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air. And I feel like unless we're talking about a Disney World fireworks show, I'm not <laughs> sure that's the most relevant or resonant thing today. And like anthem wise, for me, I'm going to be honest, because like you started singing o- Canada and I was like, oh, well, like it's a song about how Canada's beautiful. The Star Spangled mm-hmm. Banner is about like bombs. Here's yeah. some more. Inspiring, meaningful, and just straight up better choices, in my humble opinion. My country, tis of thee. America, the beautiful. This land is your land. If you want to get more modern, Parting the USA by Miley Cyrus. All <laughs> to me in this moment, better choices. That's Cure all I'm it. saying. All that to say, I got to be honest, I have this totally Pavlovian reaction when I hear the Star Spangled Banner. I'm with you. It's not necessarily even because I love the song so much, but mm-hmm. for better or worse, it's just so linked in my brain to those exciting moments before a big game. Oh, you know? dude, there's
0: I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is just like watching the Raptors play last year and they would play Oh Canada and I would just cry. Totally. Because it's like, you know, it, it's just even though you're not paying attention to the lyrics and we've understood that they're old school lyrics that song just like makes me feel like it represents my country and my pride. And that's, that's what gets me emotional. It's not what I am singing, but it would make more sense that the lyrics represent this time and myself in a better way.
1: It's interesting. I mean, listen, those couple minutes when you pause and you hear that song, and it's so linked in your brain. It's like, everything's quiet except the song right before like, this important athletic moment, mm-hmm. I get the chills. So yeah. I am not discounting that
0: w- in any World way. World Cup national anthems, when, the, when all these like men and women are sitting on the sideline like sobbing? Yeah. It's, it's incredible. incredible. Yeah.
1: So look, what we're saying here is with all things, it's complicated and nuanced. On one hand, because it's been in my consciousness so much, it got me thinking and I looked into it and it's really interesting. On the other hand... Just like completely emotionally, it's very I'm very connected to it, Yeah, you know, Um, and that got me thinking about the performance I knew would be my number one on this countdown because it was also complicated and nuanced and reflected some of the stuff we've been talking about. So on that note. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We got to take a break.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, are we starting at number (laughs) one?
1: Girl, no. And we're not even starting period because we got to go take a break for a minute.
0: Hall of Shame is brought to you by Sunbasket. If you are looking to reduce unnecessary trips out and trying to avoid sold out grocery stores, I know I am. I've barely left my house people, then check out sun basket. It is a perfect and delicious solution for the times we are living in. I also love this because I Loki key, key cannot cook. I don't really, I'm not good at it. I can't just like look in my cupboard and be like, I'm going to make a souffle from all of these things. I can't, I don't know who can do that, but it's not me. So I love this. Sunbasket delivers fresh, healthy, delicious meals straight to your door. And Sunbasket has delicious recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences, including paleo, gluten-free, Mediterranean, vegetarian, and more. They make it easy and convenient with everything pre-proportioned and ready to prep and cooked. You can enjoy a dinner full of organic, fresh produce and clean ingredients in as little as 15 minutes. Also love that because the less time I can spend in the kitchen, the more more time I can spend on the couch watching things that are just trashing my brain. No matter how much experience you have in the kitchen, this is so good for you. Each week, Sunbasket offers a wide range of meals to choose from, so you can try mouthwatering dishes such as hoisin steak strip lettuce cups with pickled daikon and carrots, roasted salmon with miso-glazed eggplant, Black bean tostadas Diablo with cabbage slaw and guacamole. You can order from any meals across their menu, skip a week, whenever you need to, or even double up on your favorites. It's simple and easy with no gotchas. Right now Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go right now to Sunbasket.com slash shame and enter promo code SHAME at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash shame and enter promo code shame at checkout for $35 off your order. sunbasket.com slash shame and enter promo code shame. Hall of Shame is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. Beekeepers is on a mission to reinvent your medicine cabinet with clean remedies that actually work. Their flagship product propolis throat spray is your daily defense when it comes to supporting your immune health and soothing sore and scratchy throats. Never heard of propolis before. It is a powerful antioxidant rich bee product with medicinal use dating back to 300 BC. People have been using this forever. That's how you know it's good. I love the propolis throat spray. I feel like, you know, we've all been stuck inside and we are breathing our same gross air that we've been breathing for four and a half months. First off, you should probably go out for a walk if you haven't done that. But also, you know, by the time I go to bed, my throat is dry and scratchy. And, you know, the times we're living in, I'm low-key having a panic attack as I lay my sweet head down for rest. I need this propless throat spray. It has been working wonders for me. I use it almost every single night before I go to bed. I honestly, I love it what is propolis you might be wondering bees make propolis out of plant and tree resins and this stuff is not honey but propolis is made and used by bees to defend their hive from germs it is the hive's immune system and now it's mine i also love the bee brain fuel sometimes i don't know about you guys but when i drink a lot of coffee i lose my mind <laughs> i'm jittery i'm anxious things just get way too intense for me. So I've started taking the B-lix or brain fuel shot. You take a shot first thing in the morning or before an important zoom and you beat brain fog, you find your flow, you're on your A game and it's without caffeine or sugar. I think we could all use more daily defense right now. And propolis throat spray is a game changer. It's time to give your medicine cabinet an upgrade with beekeepers naturals to save 50 15% on your first order, go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash shame. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S.com slash shame to get 15% off. Meet your new medicine cabinet with Beekeepers Naturals. Hall of Shame is brought to you by Molson Coors Miller. Miller High Life is an unpretentious, Quality capital Q beer with refreshing champagne-like tiny bubbles in an iconic glass bottle. I'm not gonna lie, guys, this is my favorite beer. I love it. Simple summer moments don't have to be big to call for a celebration. Did you put a bra on today? Good for you. Have a Miller High Life. Did you? I don't know. Brush your teeth this morning. Good for you. Have a Miller High life, baby. Miller High Life is the champagne of beers, a quality beer within everyone's reach, created to bring pride to the simple things in life. An iconic brand you can be proud to hold. Miller High Life has been faithfully brewed the same way since its start on New Year's Eve in 1903. Raise a can to celebrate summer's simple moments with Miller High Life. This summer, Miller High Life will release limited edition champagne cans to celebrate summer's special simple moments. in stores now available for a limited time only. Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, a quality beer within everyone's reach. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
1: All right, so we're back doing our first ever Hall of Shame countdown of our top five most memorable performances of the Star Spangled Banner during a sporting event. I think as we've discussed, the anthem carries a lot of weight with it, and people attach a lot to it, and they take it really seriously, and there's a lot of pressure on these artists to deliver. Oh my
0: God. Can we just talk about that for a second? I would fully crap my pants if I had to sing... (laughs) the yeah. national anthem there is so people are just waiting for you they're to screw waiting. it up they're huh? chomping
1: at the bit for it yeah totally that's a great way into our number five okay uh Christina Aguilera <gasps> so it's Super Bowl 45 February 6, 2011 at Cowboy Stadium in Arlington, Texas. America and America on America.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. That is Chris- probably the most yeah. American place that yeah. you can go.
1: Christina Aguilera is going to perform. We are excited. This girl can belt. Oh, yeah. So she starts and it's real good because she's real good. Just straight up a well-done version of the anthem.
0: Oh, say. Can you see bons only
1: what so purely we have the twilight And then she's red. on whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight star But then she forgets Or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and instead repeats the line, what so proudly we watched at the twilight's last gleaming.
0: gleaming.
1: Which is the same line from earlier in the song, but she changed the word watched instead of (sighs) hailed.
0: Oops. Have you ever seen an older person perform and um, like I went and saw Martin Short perform, and he had an iPad that had a teleprompter on it, like for all of his jokes, and it was quite sad because I don't even think he's that old. But I would totally have that if I was performing oh, the national because anthem because you know it's it's tough. The adrenaline, yeah. The the biggest distraction, like thousands, of hugest people, of
1: audiences, millions yeah.
0: watching. Invest in an iPad.
1: Listen. Christina, a professional since she was literally a child, powers Mm. through it, gets to the end. She sounds great. That's rough. (laughs) It's weird because she'd sung the anthem a million times. Probably, yeah. She was apparently devastated and explained that quote, I got so caught up in the moment of the song that I lost my place. I can only hope that everyone could feel my love for this country and that the true spirit of its anthem still came through.
0: <laughs> I, I love that there was probably so many people that just dragged her after. Oh. Like, you don't, love, you don't love your country, obviously. You don't love your Let country. Let me tell you, because
1: my take is like, it happens. We totally. get nerves. She sounded fantastic. How deeply fucking weird is it that her patriotism would be in question because she messed up some lyrics. And yet you are correct, Rachel. Here are some reactions. (laughs) Direct quotes. That was the biggest performance of her career, and she blew it. (laughs) To mess up lyrics was a disaster. Another person described that a hush fell over the stadium and everybody looked at each other in disbelief. This is very dramatic. <laughs> I mean, there are worse things. Here are some tweets. Christina Aguilera, if you're going to sing the national anthem before the biggest TV event ever, learn the words. Yes, all of them. <laughs> so petty. Here's another. Yes,
0: hey, all of cr- them.
1: <laughs> hey, Christina Aguilera, little less time on the 12 quarts of lipstick and
0: 90s business suit and more time learning the national anthem. Oh my. God goodness she... i you know what if the world was a good place all of those people would have to be put in her position and given it a shot yeah love to love to see you try and hush when they when they make the yeah. errors that they correct
1: were. when they just like completely pee themselves because they're so nervous that they I can't even think get I to the song i
0: don't think i literally would be able to speak it's, if i yeah. was in front of that many people
1: here's a really rough one somebody said you look drunk your performance reeked and you failed to get through a song that is ingrained in children from the youngest of ages. Everything about the song sucked and we're all just wondering why you even bothered. At least your cleavage was kept to an almost respectful minimum oh. and I thought Leah Michelle or the Black Eyed Peas was going to be the worst part of the game's musical entertainment. Anthem fail. All
0: right, Karen. people,
1: take their sports
0: spangled banners. <laughs> Very
1: Seriously.
0: <laughs> Spangled banners. Also, can we talk about that halftime show, Leah Michelle and the Black Eyed Peas? Okay. Ugh. Speaking of the black-eyed peas, number four. Oh, this is gonna be my favorite one. I know what this is.
1: Fergie. <laughs> so it's the 2018 NBA All-Star game, and Fergie steps onto the court. She's like wearing this like little black dress, LBD. Yeah. And there's like this slight beat added.
0: Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light.
1: And then right off the bat, she just kind of is going for this Marilyn Monroe Happy Birthday, Mr. President, just breathy wild. version of the anthem. She's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: rough. I, I was just looking at the Christina Aguilera one and somebody commented, this sounds awesome after hearing Fergie's rendition.
1: Look, Fergie's trying something new. Appreciate it. She's taking some chances. It's not working.
0: Oh, the rainforest we want.
1: The cameras during her performance are cutting to athletes like Steph Curry and LeBron and Kevin Durant and Draymond and celebs like Jimmy Kimmel and Chance the Rapper. They're all in the crowd and they're just laughing and smirking like it makes you cringe. You're like, oh, my God, (laughs) I felt bad for Fergie.
0: I do feel bad for her because this, I remember this blew up. Do you think she was trying to change the game a little? Like, what
1: Well, this is what she said. She said, I've always been honored and proud to perform the national anthem. And last night I wanted to try something special for the NBA. I'm a risk taker artistically, but clearly this <laughs> rendition didn't strike the intended tone. I love this country and honestly tried my best. Yeah, it did not strike the intended tone. She's correct. It was later named the sexy anthem. Ugh. You don't want that. The anthem doesn't need to be, should never be sexy.
0: Do you think that an anthem could potentially break somebody's career?
1: Yes, especially someone like just on the cusp, you know, someone who's not established.
0: But even like Fergie, like Fergie was dragged after this through the mud. And like, I don't, I don't know what she's done. Yeah, sense.
1: I mean I think it impacted her a lot.
0: You know, she's logging on to Twitter after that and she's seeing all of this stuff and she's seeing like the remixes and
1: I hope she's not logging onto Twitter. That would like damage. I hope so.
0: But like that would make you not want to make music for probably a good amount of time. Yeah, you're like, well
1: Yeah, it race. makes you like question your instincts. I'm gonna
0: take a hiatus.
1: Yeah. I mean look, the national anthem at sporting events is just super loaded. It's nuts. Here is a quote from Jimmy Kimmel. He says, I just want to say the reason I was smiling is because I love the National Anthem so much. Here's the thing about taking risks when it comes to the National Anthem. Don't. Just don't. Don't take risks when you're doing brain surgery. Don't take risks driving a school bus or singing the National Anthem. Just regular is fine. Yeah,
0: Just do. Just regular is fine.
1: So everybody's always got to take. So if you think that was bad, imagine the reaction to number three. Roseanne Barr. Oh. So long before all that's happened in her life since, with all her racist comments. Yeah. Back on July 25th, 1990, at a Padres baseball game at San Diego's Jack Murphy Stadium, Roseanne was scheduled to sing the anthem. Not a singer. So why, you ask, was she scheduled to do it? Well, on June 15th of that year. Hollywood producer Tom Werner had taken ownership of the Padres, and the show Roseanne belonged to his company, and he was, like, trying to bridge the gap between the owner's box and the fans, bringing his two worlds together, but in this case, the bridge collapsed. (laughs) Wow. So Roseanne, first of all, just sounded like hot garbage. (laughs) Like, totally <laughs> pat, pat, off-key. Pat. Like, rot. like, you'd think she'd practice. So the crowd starts booing.
0: I'm sorry. I, I not for one second think that Roseanne would have practiced for the national anthem. There.
1: But, like, they're so strict about it that, uh, you know, whatever. But the crowd starts booing because, as we've seen, they're extra hard on you if you're singing the national anthem. They're booing, and so then she responds by grabbing her crotch and spitting on the field.
0: (laughs) Classic. What? So... (laughs) Yeah, I don't even know if we need to say anything else. Just a... Yeah. So, like, at least in the two performances
1: earlier, they both are, like, singers who have decent voices. This was just... A total shit show. And there was a lot of public criticism. And also, this is 1990, so, like, you know. (laughs) Like, a screaming toddler might sound better than her. Yeah. Bad. Rough. Players and fans were furious. President George H.W. Bush called it disgraceful. Conservative George Will called her a slob. And Keith Olbermann, <laughs> then a local reporter, offered an on-air editorial complete with shitty fat jokes, which I'm not into.
0: Yeah, no, it's fine.
1: Barr eventually issued a public apology. But even though she faced backlash, her sitcom series Roseanne aired for seven more seasons... I feel like only a white woman could do all that, get away with it, and then ever have a career again to your earlier point.
0: <laughs> it's astonishing. How many women have grabbed their vaginas on That's it. on camera?
1: Meanwhile, Just... Colin Kaepernick respectfully kneels in protest of <laughs> racial injustice and police violence. And he has oh. like continues to be unsigned.
0: This world sucks. This world. So, you know, America. You want to move to Mars? You don't have any interest in that?
1: <laughs> Dying to. Yeah. Love, love that idea. But he, You know what? Here's the deal. So not all the memorable performances involve mistakes. Our final two, in fact, are close to perfect. Oh. Number two, Whitney. (gasps) So it's the 1991 Super Bowl. The New York Giants are playing the Buffalo Bills in a big matchup of teams from New York. Ten days earlier, the U.S. had entered into the Gulf War. And 27-year-old music superstar Whitney Houston gets up to sing. And girl... I'm sure you've seen this. Mm -hmm. She just straight up crushes it.
0: got the most incredible pipes, like, She's, in the world. I mean,
1: she is a celebrity whose death I cried about. Ooh, rocked you? She's one of my favorites, yeah. Wow. That really rocked me. This performance, it was a game changer. An article in The New Yorker about it, yes, it was so good that there's an article in The New Yorker about it. <laughs> it says, Houston changed what it sounded like to be an American.
0: Oh. <gasps> Ooh, I just got goosebumps.
1: I know. So Houston took the Star-Spangled Banner, a song that Black people have long felt ambivalent about, which we discussed, and made it resonate. She sort of changed its meaning with her performance. There was a little controversy around it, because you can't avoid it, because it was lip-synced, which, like, here's my thing about that. Who literally gives a shit? It's still her singing. There's, like, all these difficult chord changes, phrasing, and... The unpredictability of being, like, in a stadium and the weather and the outside, it's completely standard practice for singers to lip sync at the Super Bowl.
0: Also, I would rather my, you know, national anthem, Super Bowl performance, like, I just want to be entertained, whether that's, like, you lip syncing or giving it your all. Agreed. I just want you to crush it. I just want you to succeed. Agreed.
1: So when she was recording, she was busy doing a little screen test for a film with Kevin Costner. Maybe you remember it? The Bodyguard? Widely successful in large part due to another song, an already amazing one, written by the legend Dolly Parton, that Whitney took and crushed. So, you know, this girl. Anyway, when her longtime band leader and arranger, Ricky Minor was creating the track for Whitney for the Super Bowl, she told him she wanted to slow it down, but she was so busy in the movie that she just listened to it for the first time the day she recorded it, just Mm -hmm. once, and then sang it perfectly in one take. So truly, who gives a shit whether it was lip-synced?
0: Yeah, now that I know that. Also, I love that she's wearing, like, athleisure for this performance. She,
1: like, started that. You know what I mean? Is
0: Whitney Houston... The queen of athleisure?
1: Man, she's the queen of a lot of things. So yeah, <laughs> let's give her that. Let's okay. add it to the list, right? Okay. So like that moment when she's approaching the high note on the word free, she slows for suspense and for air, and then she like belts it out. So apparently a singer would normally hold for just about one count, but Houston held it for three <gasps> before dragging it out two more notes. Whoa! Your girl created a movement. Many notable artists who sing the national anthem now have adopted that rendition of the word "free," holding it as long as possible. Beyonce, Justin Timberlake, Carrie Underwood, Jennifer Hudson. Yeah,
0: yeah. Even I hold it when I'm in the shower. You know. That's
1: it. The NFL, though, as per their tradition. (laughs) Like ever, was on the wrong side of history with this. Before the game, senior execs asked to hear the recording and said it was too slow and difficult to sing along with and wanted Whitney to redo it. But How- she was like, I don't think so. This is what I want. By slowing yes. it down, we're amplifying the song's soul. They made it the blues, and that was the point. So Whitney did not re record it. I love it. And then it was a huge. Fucking success of a performance having a profound impact on the way it's been sung since. So as ever, NFL, <laughs> you don't get it.
0: Isn't that so great when somebody's just like, "No, I, I think, I think it's actually better <laughs> if we change it to this," and then you're like, "Actually, no," and then it blows up. Some
1: old white man who knows nothing about music. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Ugh, classic. it. well, Rach. <gasps> This brings us to number one. We've arrived. Mr. Marvin Gaye, the one performance that inspired Whitney's, my very favorite performance of the Star Spangled Banner I have ever heard. I was like so excited to share it with you. On February 13th, 1983, the NBA All Star Game was held at the Forum in Inglewood, California. Ronald Reagan was president, it was 10 days before the Grammys, and Marvin Gaye's album Midnight Love was a giant hit. At the time, Marvin Gaye was coming off a rough couple years. He said in an interview, quote, About 1975 through about 1983, hasn't been very good for me. The last seven years of my life haven't exactly been ecstatic. I've been happy, Mm -hmm. but most of the time pretty depressed. Oh. So this time of emotional tumult is when he wrote the songs from Midnight Love that touched the lives of many of the players at the game that day. Twelve-time all-star point guard Isaiah Thomas says, His music was our music. He really hit how we were feeling, in poverty and our desperate cry for just recognition and understanding. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the NBA's all-time leading scorer, said, Marvin Gaye was absolutely on the forefront of artists tackling social issues. He was an important guy artistically at the time. He talked about issues that resonated in the Black community in a very meaningful way. So, look, Marvin Gaye was just such an important figure to so many of these players. But not everyone was feeling it. Old white men, here we go again. Here we go. Always on brand. So, as Gaye takes the court, Larry O'Brien, then the NBA commissioner... Was really nervous. His first choice had been the less controversial Lionel Richie. Larry was an old school guy by the book. He told colleagues to, quote, make sure we don't have anything that's going to cause a scene. I mean. Meanwhile, Just so we're clear, like, they're telling Whitney not to slow it down, Mm -hmm. and they're worried about Marvin Gaye, but Roseanne Barr, like, we're not even going to see what she's up to before she sings.
0: (laughs) Larry O.B. needs to be a little bit more like Fergie and take some risks, baby boy. Take some risks, my man.
1: So in Larry's defense, (laughs) prior to the game, Marvin Gaye was nowhere to be found. (laughs) Okay.
0: Off to a good start.
1: (laughs) He arrived only moments before showtime. One rumor says the singer was intentionally late to avoid tension with Lakers personnel, who had believed his rendition the day before was too long at rehearsal. So he just like didn't want to deal.
0: Honestly, I would have done the same.
1: Get it. Totally get it. I agree.
0: So just a lot going
1: on leading up to this moment. You know, just a lot happening, like, for people and humans, and then, you know, literally in the stadium. And then the music starts.
0: Can you see
1: The Lakers public announcer panicked because the opening instrumental sounded like Marvin Gaye's song Sexual Healing and he thought he was playing the wrong track. He hadn't. It was a drum and keyboard track that Marvin Gaye and his musical director and guitarist Gordon Banks had come up with.
0: We at the Stripes and bright through the perilous fire.
1: So this version of the Star Spangled Banner sounded more like a rhythm and blues song. Yeah. Reggie Theus said of Marvin Gaye, you could feel the vibe as soon as he walked out there. He was the epitome of cool and smooth at the same time. Isaiah Thomas said, before you knew it, you were swaying, clapping, And we're like doing something to the anthem that you'd never done before in your life or since. It wasn't just the players. It was the whole arena. Everyone in unison almost caught the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Yeah. Magic Johnson said, We were two-stepping as we listened to the national anthem. We were just bouncing left and right. It blew us away. We just got caught into the moment of this man. People just forgot it was even the national anthem. Julius Irving said... You knew it was history, but it was also hood. Ooh, yes,
0: Dr. J! Yes. Yeah.
1: And by the time Marvin Gaye got to and the home of the brave, the crowd was giving him a standing ovation.
0: I have goosebumps right yeah. now. Yeah. And I just listened to the first, like, what, five seconds? Yeah.
1: So later in 1983, Gaye offered his take on it all. He said his depression stemmed from a deep empathy for humanity, and all he wanted was for people to listen to him, and that's what happened at the forum that day.
0: He just wanted to heal everybody.
1: Ugh. As Justin Tinsley wrote for The Undefeated in a far more beautiful way than I could, <laughs> quote, for that moment, the anthem wasn't about the stars, the stripes, or whatever its original intentions were. Gay made it about love, inclusion, and triumph. Wow. So good.
0: Yeah. We've been on this journey. We're done? Yes. <laughs> I'm just going to go rock out to that all day.
1: I know. You will, like, listen to it a hundred times. My takeaway here is, look, the national anthem isn't really about the song. You know, it's, a, it's, it's about that moment. And don't get me wrong, I still think there are maybe better choices, but I'm struck by the power that individuals have to transform and influence the song And therefore, people buy the song, whether it's Fergie fucking it up or Marvin Gaye using it to be subversive and transformative. It's very impactful. And I don't know. Thank you for being on this journey with me.
0: (laughs) I think it's the moment that's impactful. It's like what it stands for. It's not the song. So it wouldn't be that big of a deal if we changed up a song to represent us in 2020 or moving forward.
1: Fair. I agree. I think let's enjoy these moments that this anthem has given us. And, like, let's think about maybe, you know. Party in the USA. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you. In conclusion, we're starting a petition to change the national anthem to Party in the USA.
0: Change.org slash Party in the USA. Go there now. Sign our petition.
1: Miley, call us.
0: (laughs) We should actually do this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Rachel, for listening to me. Just like pontificate. That
0: was a great episode, Reshna. Well done. I had a lot of fun. That was so good. Thank you guys for listening. We're going to be back next week with another story. I love doing top fives. We're yeah. definitely going to do this again. This was so Let fun. us
1: know if you guys have any ideas of your own. All
0: right. We'll see you guys next week. See you next week. Bye. 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 Hall of Shame is a product of Crooked Media. The show is produced by Caroline Reston and Alison Falzetta. Our executive producers are Sarah Geismer and Stephen Hoffman. Engineering and sound design by Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis. Our theme music is by Taka Yasuzawa. Thank you to Sydney Rapp and Brian Semel for production support every week.